well, hey, this is Eric. I'm one of the ministers at Regency. I just wanted to thank you for checking out this message. We're praying that God uses this message to draw your heart closer to Him. If you're ever in the Mobile area, we want to invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. If you'd like to find out more information about Regency or to check out some other resources, visit our website at regencycc.org. open their presents. So there's paper everywhere. We had a big breakfast. We called and talked to some family members over FaceTime. And then it came to the point in the day where it's like, okay, we need to straighten up a little bit. And so we took our three kids and we put them on the couch and we put on a movie for them so that my wife Crystal and I could do some cleaning up. And so there was this new movie that had just come out on Disney+. Plus. It's called, it's called Soul. And so I had not really heard much about it. I just knew it was a Pixar movie. And so I figured, hey, this will be good. And if I watch it, I'll probably cry at the end. So I put the movie on and put our kids on the couch and we begin cleaning. And so as I'm cleaning, I can hear what's happening on the movie and I find myself listening to it more and more. And all of a sudden, I realize that I'm just standing in the living room watching this movie for about 10 minutes or so. And so Emma Jane says, Dad, why don't you come sit with us? And so I go and sit down, and I watch the rest of this movie. It was a great movie, and the movie Soul, if, if you haven't seen it already, is, is kind of about a, a man who is looking for purpose and meaning in life, and he thinks that if this one specific thing happens, that it will give him the meaning in life that he's been looking for. And theologically, there's some issues with this movie, but there are some moments in it that were really impactful. And there's this one scene that I want to mention for just a second. So the main character is having a conversation with another character towards the end of the movie. And he, I don't want to spoil the movie, but he kind of gets one of the things that he's looking for in life, and it doesn't make him feel the way that he thought he would feel about it. And so he talks to this lady about that. And the lady shares this story with him. And it's a story about a fish. And so she says, hey, there's this young, there's this young fish that swam over to an older fish and said to the older fish, hey, I'm looking for this thing called the ocean. And the older fish says to the young fish, the ocean, you're in the ocean. And the young fish says, what? This is water. I'm looking for the ocean. And then that ends the conversation and she leaves. And I hear this story and I'm like, wow. And I look at my children and my five-year-old has no idea why this is meaningful. But I hope that you get the point of that story. For the young fish, the thing that he was looking for the ocean, he was already in the middle of. I think for many of us, the thing that we're looking for, life, meaning in life, we are already in life. We're already in the middle of it. And sometimes in the middle of something, when you think you're looking for something else, you actually end up missing the thing that you've been trying to find. Over the past year and over the past week, there's been a lot of difficulties, uh, a lot of challenges People have made decisions that have been really disappointing and discouraging. And so when things like that happen over the past week and the past year, one of the things that it does is it really puts things back into perspective in our lives. We realize that we shouldn't always depend on what other people decide to do to give us purpose and meaning in life. That sometimes things that happen outside of our control can put things back in perspective of what's really important. And so with that in mind, we've decided that for this year, that the theme for 2021 is going to be Make It Count. So we're going to look at that throughout the year, and especially here in the month of January. Now, with life, there's pressures, and there's demands, 
And there's expectations and there's tasks that come along our way and they push us from all sides and they overwhelm our schedules. We can feel really busy even when a lot of these things are even taken away. There's new tasks and there's new things that are put on top of us. Do this. Be there. Finish that. Call this person. Everyone seems to want something from us. Family, friends, employer, school, church, clubs. And these aren't bad things. These are, these are many times good things. But soon, with all of the things that are expected of us, we can have little left to give as we run out of time and energy. And we find ourselves running through life, maybe looking for something, looking for life and meaning and purpose. And we're attending to the necessary, to the immediate, to the urgent. But then the, the important is all too often left in the dust. And our problem is not the volume or the quantity of demands. It's not the lack of scheduling skills. Our problem is values. It's what's truly important to us. Our values and priorities are reflected in how we use our resources, our time, our energy, our skills, our money. Often, our actions don't match our words. We say that we want God to be number one in our lives, but then we relegate Him to a different number on our to-do list. And so like that young fish swimming around, we can find ourselves wondering where this meaning and this purpose, this life is, not realizing that we're kind of missing the point. 25 centuries ago, a voice was heard calling men and women to the right priorities calling out to the children of God to make right now count. And so this morning, I want to look at what this voice said. And I want us, if you have a Bible, to turn in your Bibles to the book of Haggai. Haggai. And it's, it's toward the end of the Old Testament, in between Zephaniah and Zechariah. So I want to look, look at the book of Haggai together for just a few minutes this morning. So in 586 B.C., King Nebuchadnezzar and his army, they crushed the southern kingdom of Judah, destroying the temple. And the temple is God's house. It's where you found the presence of God. It was the symbol of the presence of God. And the Jews, the people of God, were taken into captivity, and they were there for decades. And then in 538 B.C., about 50,000 people were allowed to travel back to Jerusalem, the capital of Judah, to rebuild. And so when the exiles first returned from Babylon, they started to rebuild the temple right away. They realized, hey, this is important for us to do this. We need to get to work and rebuild this temple. And they began with the right attitudes. But then, as we often do, they slipped into the wrong behavior. And their work came to a standstill. And what they needed is they needed to be reminded about where their focus should be. And in fact, 14 years go by And the project of rebuilding the temple of God was put on hold. And there was no progress. There was no prayers. No effort. And what had happened is the people of God, instead of focusing on God's house, they began to focus on themselves instead. And so God raised up Haggai to call the people back to this important task. And so we see in Haggai chapter 1, verse 2, it says this. It says, This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. I think it's funny that he says these people, right? Like, who are these people? These are the people of God, but yet he says these people. It's kind of like when one parent says to the other, do you know what your children did? My children. These are our children. God says these people, right? These are his people. 
But these people, you, you can sense in his tone, God is frustrated. What's he frustrated about? Because these people are saying something. And what they're saying is, listen, you know, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Well, why not? They've made the decision. They've made the choice to put something else ahead of rebuilding the house of God. And what had happened was, is the people of God, at first they were, they were ready to rebuild, but they faced opposition. And so they faced opposition, things got difficult, and they decided because things are, are difficult, because things are challenging, well, this must not be from God. What's actually true is that oftentimes the closer that you get to doing what God wants, the more opposition that you'll face. And so many times we shouldn't worry when we face opposition. We maybe should be worried when we don't. Oftentimes if we know that we're supposed to be doing something, it's going to get challenging. And so we shouldn't be surprised if we decide, I'm going to do what God wants me to do, that we face some opposition to that because it's going to look a lot different from what the world's doing. And so we have a choice to make. And the choice we need to make is to choose the difficult right over the easy wrong. It's easy to keep your sin a secret. It's difficult and right to confess and ask for help. It's easy to hold a grudge against somebody. Maybe you feel justified in that. Maybe you feel like you've been wronged by somebody else. And so maybe you talk about that a lot. And you tell other people about how wrong that person was towards you. That's easy. It's difficult and right to forgive as Christ forgave. It's easy to follow the world and have a schedule like the world keeps and do things that the world does. It's difficult and right to be different and to not conform. Throughout our lives, throughout your life, God's going to stir something inside of us. God's going to develop inside of us a passion to live for Him. And maybe even to do something for God. The temptation is to say to ourselves, like the people of God did when they, were, when they returned to Jerusalem, the temptation is to say, you know what, the time is not right. This isn't the right time for that. I'm not going to do that right now. I'm going to do it later when maybe the timing's a little bit better. But the difficulties, the challenges, the excuses, this is, this is part of what happens when we make a decision that we're going to begin to living for God. And so what we need to decide to do is to make right now count. To decide for ourselves, you know what, the time to make this choice and to make this decision, that time is right now. And that's what the people of God needed to do in the book of Haggai. And so we look at chapter 1, verse 3, and it says this, Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Verse 4, Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses, while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says, Give careful thought to your ways. So we see the people of God, they're living in these paneled houses. This is high-end living. And God is pointing out how wrong this is, that they're living in paneled houses while the house of God, where God's presence is symbolized, is left in ruins. Now I don't think what God is saying is that he's against people having nice things. But what I do think he's saying is that don't put nice things, paneled houses, ahead of God. And that's the temptation oftentimes, is to put something that we want and desire something nice ahead of what God wants in our lives. God is not okay with being second place in our life. And God is pointing out to them, he says, give careful thought to your ways. 
When you make these decisions to put something ahead of God, you need to think about what you're doing. God is not okay with a participation trophy in your life. Okay, we love participation trophies. Um, some people love them. Some people don't. I get it, right? But God does not is not enough for God to participate in your life. God wants to win your life. And so he's not satisfied with just being a participant. He wants to be number one in your life. When I was in high school, my junior year, I was in a physics class. And in this physics class, um, the, the teacher in there said two words that always struck fear in my heart. And those two words were group project. And so he said, we're going to have a group project. And part of this group project is I'm going to assign you to a group and you're going to come up with an invention using some of the physics terms that we had talked about. And then there was this local citywide invention contest, which doesn't that sound exciting. And he said, you are going to enter, if, if I choose you, you're going to enter into this invention contest. And part of the motivation was it was for a grade. And so we had to come up with this invention. And my group came up with this invention. We called it the telescoping table. It was basically this counter that raised up and down a certain way. It probably had already been invented, but we came up with this. We had this prototype. We turned it in, not expecting much at all. We were just trying to get it done and hopefully get a good grade out of it. And so we turned it in, and the teacher selected ours as one of the inventions to go to this contest. And our reward for that was we had to get up early on a Saturday morning to go to this city invention contest. Wow, thank you, teacher, for this. And so we went to this invention contest, and we had to give a presentation to these judges, and we were, we were kind of goofing off, not thinking much about this. And so the Monday after this at school, the teacher tells us, you guys have been selected for the final round. And there is a dinner that you need to go to. It's on this, I think it was like a Thursday night. You need to get dressed up. There'll be dinner, be free. And if you place in the top three, you could win some money. Oh, wow, this was not expected at all. And so our group, like, we were kind of like, well, what if we, what if we place? That'd be great, right, if we place? But we had very low expectations. We get dressed up, we go to the contest, and you know what? They announced that we won second place. We were so excited. We were high-fiving each other. We couldn't believe it. We called our parents later. It was an amazing feeling to get second place in this contest. And part of the reason that it felt so amazing to get second place is because we had no expectation of winning. We didn't, we didn't really even care if we won. But to get second felt great. If you have no expectation of winning, you are totally satisfied with second place. God has an expectation to win our hearts. God expects to be first place on our hearts. And so no, he is not satisfied when he comes in second. Second might be great in certain situations. For God, this is not acceptable. He desires to be first in our hearts. And so that's why he says to the people, he says, give careful thought to your ways. In what area of your life are you not putting God first? In what area of your life are you choosing comfort over calling? Are you choosing your house over his? Are you choosing having more or doing more instead of a relationship with God and where it should be? In what ways are you consumed with self rather than others? With making a name over making a difference? And so he goes on and continues in verse 6. It says, you have planted much. And this verse I find very striking. Really cuts to the heart. It says this, you have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm you earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. 
man, this had to have cut to the heart of the people that Haggai was speaking to, just like I feel like it can cut to our heart today. This idea of, listen, you work your tail off, but yet you're never satisfied. You earn money, but you never have any left, or you never have enough. You acquire more, you accomplish more, but you still feel empty. You find yourself swimming around, asking, hey, where's the ocean, not realizing that you're already in the middle of it. And as the great philosopher Dr. Phil would say, how's that working out for you? How is that way of living working out for you? Is it getting you all the things that you desire? Or do you have this feeling that there is something more? That there's something greater that I need to be living for? And then in verse 7 and 8, it says this, This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. So the second time already, in just a few verses, God is saying, listen, give careful thought to your ways. Are you living right? Are you, are you making right now count? Are you doing the things that you have been doing? Listen, the time is now to make this decision. Don't keep delaying and putting off. And then after he says, give careful thought to your ways, he gives them three things to do. Okay, And he says this in verse 8. He says, go up into the mountains. And then he says, bring down timber and then build my house. Three steps. Here are three steps of things that you need to do in order to get this back on track. Give careful thought to all your ways, and then do these three things. And so with this, I think this brings up a couple of thoughts. First is this. How do you make right now count? How do you make right now count? Well, the, ma- the way that you make it count is by following God's will. You follow the will of God. Okay, well, then the next question is, how do I follow the will of God? Well, the way that you follow the will of God is step by step. We see God giving specific steps that the people needed to follow in order to get things back on track. And I believe we, we have steps that we need to take. And our steps might look different from each other. The first step that you need to take might be different than the person sitting next to you. But if you want to make that commitment, and maybe you realize, listen, something needs to change. I know something needs to change. I can't put my, figure, I can't put my finger exactly what needs to happen, but oftentimes we know what that first step is. And so maybe you need to take that first step this morning. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 1 and 2, God gives these commandments to the people of God. And the very first commandment he gives them is one that's going to sound familiar. It says, And God spoke all these words. Verse 2, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He reminds them of their relationship. He reminds them of what he's done for them. And then he says in verse 3, he says, You shall have no other gods before me. What an important reminder for the people of God. What an important reminder for us of all the things that God has done for us. We need to be reminded that God is to be first in our lives. The book of Haggai is a small book filled with challenges and promise. And it's reminding us of God's claim on our lives and our priorities. And in the book, Haggai is urging the people of God to get back to doing the work of God. There was something that they were supposed to be doing and they had decided, you know what, the time is not right right now. I'm going to focus on these other things. And God tells them, no, you need to be focusing on the right thing. You need to be focusing on something that's right. And it may be difficult, but quit choosing what's easy and wrong. And the words of Haggai, I believe, are also urging us to reorder our priorities in alignment with God's will. 
for you this morning, maybe you need to take the first step to following God today. And it may not be easy, but it will be right. And it may be difficult, but it's the choice that you need to make. Choosing the difficult right is always better than going with the easy wrong. And so make right now count. This morning, if you're here and you need to take that first step of making right now count, if you need to take that first step of giving your life to Christ through baptism, or maybe it's the step to get things back in the order they need to be, begin with that first step. And you can do that this morning as together we stand and sing.